psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing they open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong we don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison cognitive liberty the fact that as adults if we're not hurting anybody else we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else reject authority authority is a lie information is power but we have to seize see the opportunity the opportunity the opportunity Tables have turned, my friends. Welcome. Welcome to Mike Adelic. Today's episode. Longtime uh, friend and collaborator here. Part of the problem leader, Dave Smith. Welcome. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. Of course. I had to have you on, man. I mean, it's just like this is the, this is the perfect podcast. We got to talk about psychedelics we got to talk about expanding our consciousness our mind and and liberty and freedom absolutely just waiting for you <laughs> well i'm happy to do it man i really uh i, I enjoy the podcast very much oh cool I, I was still talking about part of the problem oh <laughs> i just enjoy hearing myself back now i'm kidding I'm well just, i mean i love doing part of the problem um i love doing psychedelics so, so i just it felt all... like it all came together <laughs> you know for some reason LSD and Ron Paul just clicked for me at the same time. So it's interesting. That's that's where my philosophy has gone. <laughs> a little bit Ron Paul, a little bit LSD. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, Ron Paul's a very religious guy, mm-hmm. right? So he has some kind of spirituality in his life. To me, psychedelics is my spirituality. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess me too uh, is pretty much the you know as a person who's never. I mean, I grew up Jewish, but never really like a, we weren't a religious family who actually believed. In did it. you have it was, a bar mitzvah? I did, but it was more of like a chore. Mm. It was much more like a tradition without any real religion in it. it just the attitude my mother had, our family had. It was like, you got to go to Hebrew school every day, you know, every once a, once a day, uh, once a week rather for a year. So you can do this bar mitzvah thing because that's what us Jews do. And then after that, you can forget about <laughs> it. Was yeah. like, after that, you can forget about Judaism. There was never. But... Uh, Particularly on, on mushrooms, those have probably been the, I mean, not probably, those have been the most spiritual experiences of my life. What, um, when was the first time you, uh, you did mushrooms? Uh, first time I did mushrooms was in Amsterdam. Oh, I think you've told was, this story uh, before. Have I? I well, I talked about smoking weed in Amsterdam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, um, and just kind of the, the that was you a went big, with your sister, right? Yes. Well, I went over. It, that wasn't the time I did mushrooms, though. Oh, okay. That was a different story. I, to tell you, the first time I went over to Amsterdam, I guess I was like sixteen or something like that, and I was just talking about how you know being a pothead already and weed being legal, and it was a real moment of just just as a child recognizing. That it was like, oh, there is this freedom right. that I'm enjoying that I did not enjoy somewhere else. Before. Not you know, in well, I'm, America. In, yeah. I'm, in in New York, I've literally been running from cops. <laughs> you know, terrified that right. they're going to throw me in a fucking cage, and now I'm in a place where they're just like, no, you're you're free to do that to your body if you want to. So it was, that was an interesting. No, but then I went back to Amsterdam a year and a half later, and I did with with some friends of mine. And I did mushrooms for the first time there, and just walked around those like. Uh, yeah, they have those like colorful streets and, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the streets, right? and then there's the stuff. What's the word I'm looking for? Where the waters, like right on the streets, like a the river walk or something? Ca- canals, canals, yeah, 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 around sure. the like canals. Yeah, yeah. a river walk. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just that's not putting together. I, I like how you just improved on that. I but, think yeah. that's what oh. they call it. In, uh, what do they call a, a house on a boat? Boathouse. <laughs> <I> think, uh, <laughs> say words. No, I think in Texas in San Antonio, that's what it's called. The river maybe, walk. Maybe or some right. Shit. Yeah. But anyway, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Pretty fun time. So, did you have like any kind of like major like? Did you have like a big like epiphany or like a kind of like a a realization or something from, um, from doing mushrooms for the first time? The first time, it wasn't like a major epiphany. Although there, there are, um, there were there were definitely like parts of it where I just started you know having deep thoughts about kind of friendship and love and stuff like that. But I think it was. There wasn't any. It was just uh, just a lot of giggling and having fun. And, yeah, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. But there were some like, oh, I'm I'm having a revelation about this or that. Um, but a lot of it, I think, I just lost. 
you know, it's kind of, oh, you have a revelation, then you forget about it five minutes later and move on. But it wasn't until, like, a, a few years later, years later, actually, I guess, um, six or seven years later, where I, I shroomed out. Actually, it was with um, with Lewis and Big J. Mm. And it was, like... Uh, the Legion of Skanks. It was with the Legion of Skanks. And um, we were still, I think, relatively new friends at the time. And, uh, yeah, we all ate, like, a bunch of mushrooms Shroomed out really, really hard. No better hard. way to bond than, uh, than doing Ooh, that. Yeah. And man, I, I in that in that that time, I had a a really intense spiritual experience, and I've had a couple more of them since on mushrooms, but that was the first one ever, and it was just um, it was really, I mean, quite quite an experience. I mean, I, I went from for the first time in my life, I think I had always considered myself an atheist, and for the first time in my life. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, there's, there's something to all of this. Like, right. there's a higher force. There's a, there's a whole other world that we're not, you know, that we're aware of, but we don't know we're aware of it. And, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> it's also it's so silly now, but, I mean, at the time, I was uh, just looking at Jay's TV. Jay had this, like, big screen TV. This is, like, back... This is years ago. Um, big Jay you know, big screen. But this is... This is you know, seven, eight years ago or something yeah. like that, where it would still be, uh, he still had like a big TV with the back. Right, like you the know fat what I'm saying? Like, square. Like a fat, yeah, yeah, like a fat square TV. Yeah. And the TV just kind of, it was off, but the TV just kind of started doing this like, you know, like swaying thing, like the yeah. whole thing. And I just started staring at it because it looked really cool. So I was just sitting on the couch staring at the TV and all of a sudden, all of the light, like in the room, just connected into like one ball of light and then it was like shining on me and it came over me. The light came over my chest. And I was like, just as soon as the light came on me, it was like so warm and amazing feeling. It just felt like everything good and positive in the world. And, it, and I, I literally started choking up, like tearing up, because I just, it was like in that moment, I just knew that um, all. It, it, again, it sounds so silly saying it now, but all light is connected. The light is good. The darkness is bad. We're all part of the light, and you choose which one you want. I mean, it was just all so clear in this moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. It was really kind of like a like changed. It, not that that you know, it, not that that's playing like a, a front and center role in my philosophy every day. It's not like where someone's like, okay, so what do you think about you know Brexit? I'm like, well, the light is here, <laughs> you know. It's, but it's definitely changed something in how I see the world on a very foundational level. Well, yeah, I think I think it's really important, and like it, people call it tripping because you kind of go on a trip, you go on like a mini vacation in your own consciousness or wherever the fuck you are. So oh, it feels like a different place. You ever trip really hard on mushrooms, and then you're you're like at that that same apartment a couple days later, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is the place." These yeah, walls yeah. were like over here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's a whole different world. Like, oh, I was at this magical place, and then you go, and it's all shitty. There's like fucking slime dripping. from This is just my buddy what Stu's one bedroom apartment. Yeah. This isn't. I thought I was in Neverland. <laughs> but yeah, you go on this trip, and whenever you go on a trip, whenever you travel, you go somewhere new. Every, everything seems like it's you're experiencing it kind of for the first time but it's also familiar you know in a sense like you go I, I went to Bangkok Thailand right like when I landed there I was like oh this is a city just like everything and they have a saying there they say same same but different it's really? like same okay. same but different same same <laughs> but different every time they try and sell you something they're same same but different um, <laughs> I had to do it with the with the accent but that's what the uh, bang, that's what the tranny says as you're banging. Her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same, but different. Same, same, same but same, very same, but different. different yeah, yeah. They have it on t-shirts. Same, same, but different. But it's true. I mean, you go somewhere and it is the same. There's people. There's cars. There's a city. There's buildings. There's a nor There's a way of life that functions. People buying, selling, trading goods, all this sort of thing. But the the environment is so new, and then so the novelty of the experience makes you feel like you're in a different place, you know? Yeah. And I think that the same thing is true for psychedelics. Now, I don't know if it's quote-unquote real or if it's just all, if it's just a chemical reaction in your brain, but whatever it is, the experience is, wouldn't you say the experience is still yeah, uh, not well, only it's, it's valuable, that, but still like worthy of, of having? You know, I've gotten that from a lot of people, that literally the the exact way you just said it, um, where people will go, it's, it's just a chemical reaction in your brain. And my response to that is always that, uh, yes, it is. 
but so is everything. Yeah. I mean, what is what is just a chemical reaction in your brain mean? I, the, every every experience of your life is just a chemical reaction in your brain. I mean, that's the truth. You're that's drinking coffee right now. You that, think but I'm just saying everything, yeah. like the, seeing each other, oh. like, hearing each other. Every oh. sober experience you've ever had in your life is still a chemical reaction in your brain. I mean, that's what's going on. So yes, you've you've messed with the chemicals in your brain a little bit, and you you kind of take this. I mean, I don't know. You know. A lot of these things that we, you know, the, the idea of a drug is kind of a, a human social construct. The, just the term drug, that there's this different classification, like, you know, uh, um, weed is a drug. It's a, a, according to nature or science, I mean, it's really a plant, and, you know, that's it, it's a different life form than us, but the idea of this is a drug, or when they'll say, you know, you're, you're poison, that's another one, like a real social construct, the idea of poison. I mean, what is a poison? Um, salt is a poison. You can kill somebody with enough salt, mm-hmm. um, but if you just sprinkle a little bit on your food, it makes it tastier. I mean, I don't know. So there's definitely something about mushrooms that the uh, psychedelic mushrooms will send. You know, they send your body into a state where these chemicals are released. So yes, you get access to kind of dream chemicals that you usually get at nighttime, and you get those during the day. Now, yeah, you brought this up once before about stealing from the dream world. Well, that's Talk what it's about all that. about. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's this nat. Well, I mean, there's there seems to be just observing uh, animals, animal life. There seems to be this natural cycle of awake and sleep, and that's still very, very unexplained by science. Right. People really don't know what the fuck's going on with this cycle. I mean, there's there's been a lot of studies on it, but they're all fairly. Primitive. If you actually look at the study, you know, it's like the studies will be, I mean, we'll put those sensors up to your brain and measure brain activity, but most of the stuff they have on REM sleep, the way the studies are conducted is they have someone go to sleep and they wake you up during REM sleep and, and ask you questions. Yeah. And I mean, there's, we really don't know why your brain needs to restart, go into this whole other dimension every night. Where you know, And it's not for people who try to make it out to be this simplistic thing. Like, oh, your brain's just resting. It's actually not resting. It's working twice as hard. <laughs> yeah. it's a, it, you go into this whole other state where all this other, these other parts of your brain are having all this activity that they don't during the day. And, that's, and you, you got, look. At the end of the day, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. We got to get up, live in this world, this conscious reality every day. And then you got to go fucking hallucinate for, for hours at night. Like that's part of the human experience, or part of the animal experience is laying down and hallucinating your fucking balls off yeah. every night. We all do this. Now, um, again, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff is just scientifically not verified. Like we don't exactly know. But a lot of those same chemicals that are being released for your night hallucinations are what you get access to during your day hallucinations. Now, I remember, I remember Rogan talking about this, but like uh, the idea that if you try to just stay up, you try to just stay up forever, don't go to sleep, you will eventually, you will start hallucinating mm. while you're awake. And then eventually you will just crash out and fall asleep. Yeah. You can't do it. That's eventually, before. It, you, your body will shut off and it's like, no, motherfucker, you owe time to the hallucination realm and you haven't given it. And it will take it. You can't keep it from the, eventually it will. You'll, this is what, and people do this. They, they've done studies on this way. You'll start hallucinating and then eventually crash out. This is what happens. And so I don't know. It, it's interesting. Now, when you do drugs like, Mushrooms or or whatever any of these other hallucin uh, you know hallucinogens, in a sense you're kind of you're doing the opposite of staying up. Mm-hmm. You're kind of stealing instead of stealing from the hallucinating time and making more conscious time. You're stealing from the conscious time and making more hallucinate hallucinating time. Does that fuck with your dream cycle or something like that? Well, I don't yeah. Know. Every time I've had a big trip. You know, it, it wears you kind of mentally wears you out. Mm-hmm. So when you're coming down from the trip, you're like, oh, I just want to crash. And usually I crash and I'm just blank until I wake up. And I think like anything else where I go with salt, like in the same sense of you t- if you have a lot of salt, it could kill you. Um, if you have too high a sodium diet, that can be really bad for your health. Yeah. But if you just sprinkle a little bit of salt on your potatoes, it, it, that could be delicious sure. and just really enhance the potatoes. I think a lot of times... Um, that that's how I see it with hallucinogens. Like I would be careful with these things. I don't just like oh everybody should trip all the time. Like I think it's dangerous, and there are you you don't want to trip too much. You can fuck with your levels in different ways. But if you there's also a lot that can be gained from the experience, and and there's a lot if if you use it in a responsible way, there's a lot 
there's a lot of insights you can gain yeah. from, from the experience. Well, you said you think it could be dangerous. What do you mean by that? Well, I just think, I, I mean, look, I've, I've known people who've done like way too much acid or something like that, right, who it's yeah. definitely like, okay, it fucked. And, and there might, you know, uh, there might be a point where you just get, they're a little bit gone. Like they're not quite, they're able to get into that other world and access that, but they're not ever quite back in this world. And whatever this world is, I want to be fully present in yeah. it. You know, like I don't want, I, I don't know exactly what this is, but the idea that you can escape to this other fucking dimension, I feel like that dimension is home. Like that's where you're going. You go there every night, and that's I I, I really do think that's where you're going to go after death. When you were explaining that before, like I, I I almost thought of it like in the movie Avatar. Remember in the movie Avatar when they're in, have you seen Avatar? I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ago. When they're in the Avatar world, whatever that world is, as the blue guys, and then all of a sudden they'll just drop to the ground and and pass out because they've been they're plugged in from the other right. side as the consciousness and like I, I just see it as as similar to that almost right. in a sense where it's like we need to just drop out and go to that back to that that world whatever that world is yeah it's a, it's an interesting analogy or is that, that's how know? i kind of visualize it in my head yeah. sure no i get that i just think that whatever Whatever this experience is, was that's always stuck with me. Um, but there was someone, so I forget whose quote this is, but it's a great quote. Uh, where he said, um, "He said you're not you're not a human having a spiritual experience, or you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. Yeah, like the idea that uh, um, that this is the experience, right? Like this is the tripping out." And and that realm is more like home base. This is the game. This is the game. And so I just don't want to miss the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I think there's something important about being conscious and being, you know, totally. present. Totally. I, I think like for me, one of my biggest things is like I like to go to that world and try and use whatever I have learned or experienced to try and enhance this sure. waking state of consciousness. Yeah, you know, um I, I think I heard Rogan talk about this a while back. Uh, who really on on this topic particularly has been a huge like influence of mine. I oh, always yeah. really like dug the way he would just kind of openly talk about all this stuff. That was that, the first that, time I ever heard of DMT. I never oh yeah I never heard of same DMT thing. before yeah. in my no, life. And then I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And I found it so fascinating. Yeah, and and uh, and I've never done DMT, but I still yeah. find it incredibly have, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, Extremely fast. But he talked about, he said he'll never do DMT again, mm. Rogan. And he said because the last time he did it, he said he felt like. Like he didn't quite snap back into himself right away. He, he the way he described it, he said like he kind of w- went around with like a feeling of just kind of like like I don't buy it. Like I don't buy this this reality anymore. Mm. Like I don't really. I'm almost like I, I don't believe this whole thing. Yeah. And then he kind of realized he was like, oh, I don't want to like ever lose that. So as as much of as that it was like. Um, an enlightening experience for him. There's also, you know, there, there's dangers with all these things. And your brain is like a fine-tuned, crazy, advanced machine that you just, you know, I, you got to be cautious anytime you're messing with anything with the way these chemicals flow. I mean, it's, you know. Well, I think you have to know your own body, know your own brain, know what you can tolerate and what you can take sure. for sure. And I think what you were talking about before about some of the dangers of it, like people who just do too much. Like, I know people like that, you know? And it's like, it is, like, it's a little abusive, I think. But I think it's the same. I think people have something in them that says, I don't want to be in whatever this is anymore so I'm gonna use something whatever connects with them whether it's acid cocaine cheeseburgers cigarettes whatever it is weed you know they, they abuse this thing coffee and yeah I don't think it's the particular drug in question now we get a lot of people who are like you know who demonize these things and who make it seem like it's the drug that is the bad thing but yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, you, oh, completely. I, I you agree with Ab- that, absolutely. Right? I think um, you know if you if you look at um, some homeless guy, you know, laying out on the street with like an empty bottle of alcohol next to him, to say he's an alcoholic, it's like it's just such a silly human 
impulse to blame the substance of that. Like, really? Look at all these bars around here. Look at all these people drinking. Look at everything. And that's the issue with this guy? The alcohol? It's like, no, there was something there. There was an issue there. And drinking is not helping the situation. Or drinking may be the crutch he's using. But the idea of blaming that. Now, look, even back in, uh, say, like, if, if you remember, like, your earliest moments of, uh, of, like whenever you're you're in high school or middle school, whenever kids like started experimenting, right? If you remember like the first kid in your class who smoked pot, or the first kid in your class who did, the, uh, you know, the first the first kid in your class who started doing drugs, was he the year before? Was he just like everybody else, or was he a little? You know what I mean? Like there was already something there that led that kid to then want to go be the first kid to do drugs. There was already something like that. The, well, then look at him years later and go, oh man, this kid's got a drug problem now. But it's like, no, he already had a problem. He was looking for an answer to it. You know what I mean? Like right. There's, there's all, the underlying thing has nothing to do with the substance. Mm-hmm. That's that's about the person usually, their own childhood, their own psychological issues, whatever that may be. So yeah, no, I agree with you. And that's it's it's the same thing as, you know, you can look at uh what's it called the thing I I just remember this cuz Lewis always talks about the river the, walk. um the, the river walk Lewis is always nah. bringing up that sweet ass river Wanna walk. Go on a river walking trip. No, but I'll talk about the rocks uh diet Oh, and right, how he yeah. does like a cheat day. Eats, like, fish. Yeah. The Rock will do a cheat All day and then like just cheat. Yeah. So the Rock will have like a fucking cheeseburger, but he looks like the fucking Rock. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't know. It's like he's a, so it's not the cheeseburger. It's the fucking discipline. It's it's that you know. So I I agree with you in that sense that it is uh, blaming the substance or looking at the substance as being the integral part is is a silly silly human way of doing it. Well, at some point, a person has to look at themselves and notice if something is going wrong yeah. with what they're doing. Yeah. You know, but stop it, and assess. Is it, is it wrong to do something that's bad for you? No, I don't think so. Certainly not morally wrong. I mean, look, it's a... Uh I'm kind of playing like devil's advocate sure. here. Like, but if even like if you're mo- d- most like we were talking on part of the problem, we were talking about conservatives and you know Gary Johnson, and he was talking about the marijuana issue and things like that, and how you know we kind of like the person who is the, the the representative of freedom and liberty to be the person who is like straight laced, suit and tie. So, is there something is there something morally wrong if you're you know abusing cocaine? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there could be an argument if you have children and you're and you're not taking care of them. Yeah. That could be an argument that you're doing something morally wrong. Um, you know, like in the same sense of if you have the responsibility where someone else is, their life is going to be greatly harmed by you doing that, then it can maybe make it morally wrong in the same sense that, you know, doing... The, doing a bunch of coke and, and chugging a bottle of whiskey, is that morally wrong? I would say no. If you're driving an 18-wheeler, well, then maybe it is morally wrong. You know what I'm saying? So if like, other people are, are immediately damaged from that, there's an argument. But no, I mean, I don't, I, I don't look at that as morally wrong. But if you're really damaging yourself, it does indicate to me that something is wrong. That something is wrong like in, in your past, in your, in your childhood, in your own you know, makeup, at your own self-esteem. Like if you're hurting yourself... That does seem to indicate something is wrong. But no, I think you absolutely have the right to do it. And the truth is, everybody hurts themselves in some way at some point. Yeah. Like, you have to. It's, I think that's part of being human. But what is it about, like, I, I was on Twitter the other day. At, I'm on Twitter every fucking day. But you got, you got a little scare yesterday. Yeah, that was, yeah. I you tweeted you got about a, the, the Second Amendment. And then all this. So what happened with that, by the so way? So I, I tweeted, I said, let's not forget the reason. I said, let's not forget guns aren't just for hunting or shooting it's also to protect ourselves against a tyrannical government can i tell you mike uh so mike texted me that he goes dude i just got uh, kicked off twitter Mm. for tweeting about the second amendment and man did i imagine the tweet was a lot harsher than that (laughs) i was like oh shit what did mike say (laughs) mike's like we gotta take out these pigs now (laughs) oh jesus mike jesus what did you do they're probably coming to your house Uh, i mean i know you tweeted that i was like that's the most harmless fucking tweet ever right that's just a, a historical fact Coincidence? I don't know. I mean, anyway, so what happened? So right after you tweeted, right that, after I tweeted it, I got like 
just bounced out of Twitter and then I got a message and then I got an email that said, for your security, we've locked your account because it, we think it might have been compromised. Yeah, but for un- your security is never right. something you want That's to hear. That's why I got a little from paranoid. From an authority yeah. figure. This is never, they're like, for your security, we're going to cuff you before we throw you in the hole. They're like, none of this seems to be good for my security. Yeah, so I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, so I changed my password, logged back in, uh, but then I saw that my tweets weren't loading. I was like, all right, what's, and then I texted you, are they loading? You're like, yeah, I see them. And then um, I couldn't get into Facebook because I, I had posted it in our private group on Facebook. So then I couldn't get back into Facebook. It was like giving me a spinning wheel. And then finally I got back in. So it was a, it was a weird five minutes of like, you know, and uh, one of our listeners like commented, uh, Boris Sorkin was like, uh, he's like, that's, that's the, they're letting you know. Big Brother's letting you know they're listening. <laughs> they're just testing you. I'm like, oh, don't tell me Fired that. Fired a so warning I'll, shot? Yeah, I'll just believe it like immediately. I'm like, oh, shit. But on Twitter, I posted this thing that got a lot of um, response about the leading cause of death in America. And the, it's like a chart, and it shows the leading cause of death is, and I've brought this up before, is like heart disease, cancer, medical error, respiratory disease, all, uh, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes. But we don't, there's no drug overdose isn't really on there, right? There's no like marijuana death because there's no marijuana death. Um, and same thing with guns. Like there's no, the gun, the gun's death is very gun death is very low on it doesn't even register on that scale but for some reason just getting back to the point it's like people want to say but the problem is guns and the problem is drugs you know they want to they want to like put the put the blame on those things not like the personal choices that people make using those things and so the other day like that there was that CNN town hall with uh, Gary Johnson and one of the questions was about heroin I'm sure we'll talk about this later too but like, what would you say? Like, Dave Smith, like, what do you think about, like, drugs? Like, you know, should they be legal? And then, you know, the woman gets up there and she's like, my son, you know, died of heroin. Yeah. I mean, what will be your your pitch, like, your case for, for making, you know, well, for, Gary, ta- for talking to the country? Well, I'll just say no matter what you do, you couldn't have done any worse than Gary Johnson did <laughs> in his response. I mean, just so weak. We will get into all this on part yeah. of the problem, but just so weak. No, look, the, the clear, I, I, to me, I think the clear answer that um, that he danced around quite a bit, um, and then ultimately caved. You know, he danced around it for a minute, and then ultimately said, "No, I don't want to legal." Anyway, it was terrible. But no, so my answer, if someone said, uh, you know, so I, the story more or less that this girl gave was like her son, right, did heroin once. I think it was that did heroin. It was some bad heroin. Fucked up his life. Now he's has a tube going through his stomach. It's just his life is a mess because of one time he tried heroin. And um, I would say, okay, well, look, heroin's illegal. It's been illegal for decades. We've been fighting a war on decades uh, for, on drugs for decades. We literally, we've fight, we're fighting a war. Mm. We've spent hundreds of billions of dollars on this, and this stories like this still happen. Right. So obviously, making these drugs illegal is not solving this problem. Oh, so um, you would just want to make everything legal then? Is that yeah. what you would want to do? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. so you want you would want to live in a world where you could just shoot heroin and everyone's shooting heroin all the time? Is that is that the kind of world you want to live in? Yeah. <laughs> more or less. That's my. Well, look. No, I don't think there's any actual evidence that more people would do heroin if it were if it were legal. We have, you know, in in places like New Hampshire in this country, we have a flat out heroin epidemic right now. We have yeah. major major problems with heroin, and it's as illegal as it could be. I mean, we lock people up for for life for selling heroin. I mean, we we have literally we've tried the authoritarian. We will throw you in jail. We will give you life sentences, mandatory minimums. We've been trying this for decades, and. Right. and it's been a huge failure and other countries and there's and you know which Gary Johnson did insert a little bit there's lots of other examples where people have tackled heroin heroin as what it is which you know I think is a health issue mm-hmm. and have been much more successful yeah with that. like like Portugal mm-hmm. Portugal yeah, has great like example. a great a great model I think for 15 years it's been decriminalized they have um, a good rehabilitation program a lot of a lot of positive things can come of it you know I mean I think that when you have when you have legal drugs, they're a lot safer, right? I mean, you can go on, uh, you know, the Silk Road website was yeah. a website that I've been on before. Mm-hmm. You know, r- unfortunately, that the poor kid, Ross Ulbricht's thrown in the fucking slammer just for life. Terrible. For, for facilitating a marketplace that existed on... 
peer-to-peer ratings and reviews, right? Oh, like, well, this is good quality. Yeah. This guy's got good stuff. Why, if you're selling drugs, why would you want to poison your clientele, right? Yeah. It's but all, in the black market, you're going to get that. You're yeah. going to get all that kind of stuff. No, absolutely. And, you know, you can point to the fact that, oh, look, according to the, the National uh, Health uh, or the National Institute for Health, there's, um, they say cigarettes are, are as addicting, as, as addictive as heroin. Uh, but you don't you don't see people, you know, robbing uh, bodegas for cigarettes. You don't see a whole bunch of violence attached to cigarettes, even though they're very addictive too, because they're legal. They're right. not in a black market. I mean, there's, this is what happens. There's a Shh. tremendous amount of violence sure. yeah. that we could cut down on, um, as as I like to repeat all the time. But the the murder the highest murder rate we ever had in American history was under prohibition. Yeah. We have a ton of violence associated with uh, gang car- uh, drug cartels right now, and. Um, and this all comes from from the prohibition. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think there was like another study about like sugar. It was shown to like kind of light up the same areas of the brain as cocaine, and it's also shown like similar addiction properties. But yet, that's totally fine too. Yeah, it, it's all. Uh, it all becomes so when you start the. Um, you know, it almost it reminds me of. Uh, when when feminists will say you know they'll the, the, remember that whole I mean it's kind of died down now but there was that whole campaign about rape jokes mm-hmm. and how you shouldn't be able to, to make rape jokes and the the response from people like me would always be like but isn't it kind of arbitrary for you to just decide because rape is your cause that we can't make any more rape jokes I mean you know you you could make a you know I can make a joke about the war in Iraq. But that's okay. But yeah. I can't make a joke about rape. I can make a joke about, um, like, I, I don't know, driving a car. Well, people get in car crashes. I mean, there's like all the. You're just choosing one tragedy and saying I can't find humor in that. When so much of what humor is is finding, you know, the the flip side of tragedy. But I feel the same way. Whenever you have prohibition of drugs, it's, as you're pointing, you, you, it becomes incredibly arbitrary what you're picking and what you're not. So if you're going to go down this road of saying things that are bad for you are illegal. There's just so many things out there. We should be, you know, of course, tobacco should be illegal and alcohol should be illegal too if we're going to have this war on drugs. And then, right, like you said, when you start looking down this list of what actually kills people, well, diabetes, heart disease, I mean, these things are all influenced by diet. So we got to start prohibiting bad diets. And then, you know, you could start, I mean, we... You can't, Where does it end? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so arbitrary to just pick like five substances and say these five will carry a jail sentence with them. What is it that you think about like like oftentimes I think liberals there's they're kind of like more on on the side of uh, of the hippie movement I guess right like right. there there's no real conservative hippies that's us baby i mean i guess so right that, i mean is that that's us. is it kind of i, I in guess a way, yeah. in, in a way so it murray rothbard wrote a confessions of a of a right-wing liberal oh okay that's, it was a great piece wow i read it but uh that's yeah that's that's what we are i guess right? i guess you're right yeah it is it is kind of strange but why i mean i don't the one thing that kind of bugs me that i don't really understand is like how come these hippie liberal types don't don't make the connection but you know they they love doing drugs and all this kind of stuff. How come they don't make the connection between? How come they're not logically consistent with the idea of being free to consume whatever you want and uh, you know everything else in their life? How don't how come they don't apply it to like what do you because you you've been there I, I know I've been there so I, I don't I'm just trying to get see what your perspective is on that. Uh, well, when you say I've been there, what what do you mean? Well, you you were a liberal, weren't oh, you? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of the things like the. You know the the religion of government has really been all encompassing, and it's it's there's there, so a lot of people just don't see government for what it is. But I think when you get into a lot of those hippie far left uh, people's ideas, I think it really is very um, in in a sense their values are consistent with voluntarism you know like they do want these kind of like nonviolent peaceful communities i think the problem is too many of them don't see the state for what it is mm-hmm. but look i'll take i'll take a, a far a far lefty over a moderate democrat you know 10 out of 10 times 
What do you mean a far lefty? Like a far a far like a left Sanders? wing person. Sure, I'd yeah. take like a, a Bernie Sanders. You know, a, or even like oh, okay. more. Le- you know, a lot of times those guys will start. You know, over like a Hillary Clinton supporter. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, any yeah. day I'd take a Sanders supporter. At least, <laughs> at least they're seeing this as a corrupt se- a system, and you know they're try- they may have some of the you know incorrect ideas in my opinion, but I, at least they're like. Um, they're searching for some morality. Yeah. No, no, totally. And so I, th- I just think with people like that, people that are into, you know, one, I love doing, I love smoking weed. I love doing psychedelics in, um, you know, in ration, I guess, or, yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, like, like I'm going to smoke in, after part of the problem. Yeah, about, like you got to have some kind of balance. You can't be doing it all day, every day. So I love doing that stuff, but I love it for different reasons, too. It's like. I love eating like a little bit of mushrooms and then just laughing my ass off and like you know just with some buddies and just like you know what's weird is actually we've never tripped together I don't think have we? yeah we got to do that's that strange. sometime yeah we'd have to make that happen but I also yeah I, trip out and podcast that should be the next time I'm back on Michaelic that will be the next we should time just trip balls yeah. and fucking podcast I'm down with that we should do that that's gonna happen um, call in if you want to see that happen <laughs> I was almost forced into that on Wednesday. Were you? Yeah. What? Oh, uh, from Unreal S Real Podcast. S. What was the deal? What did oh, they what do? did they? I missed this last one. What'd you guys do? Did you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lewis wanted me to eat a cap and a fucking stem of mushrooms. I've never done them before. Wait, did Lewis do it? No. Oh. Okay. Dude, eating a cap and a stem, just one cap and a stem, it's perfect. It's just like you're so you're just laughing at everything. Yeah. If you want it's the like a good if you mood. want the shit I'm talking about, you got to eat a lot. Like, yeah. If you right. want to see God, you got to eat like a real fucking. That's a big, what I'm a saying. Big fistful. So terrifying. So that's. <laughs> So that's what Just I'm saying. Yeah, you've done but a lot that, of bad shit. But that they is want to see God. Exactly. They're like, God's like, are you? You're stealing fucking iPads from old women. What uh, is this? Yeah, it's gonna be I, a bad I one. think for <laughs> for for some re- for some reason like eating, doing a massive amount of psychedelics, or as Terrence McKenna likes to say, a heroic dose, kind of breaks the it breaks the wall of. It just breaks apart everything, and it allows me to like have some kind of mystical, spiritual experience, whatever it is, something that like a lot of adults I think could benefit from because we so rarely in our adult lives I mean it's it's easy because you're a comedian but most people aren't comedians they you know so they're <laughs> actually that'd be pretty cool if most people were comedians <laughs> <laughs> but most people don't have like a childlike sense of wonder and uh, and awe and like this kind of magical wonderful thing that you can get from doing psychedelics and also you know something that get the, the levity that comedy brings you too you know in that world most people live in like a rigid kind of strict world of boundaries and just materialist nature I think a lot of people could benefit from experiencing having a profound psychedelic experience. I think it'll open up people's minds a little bit more to the ideas of freedom and liberty and things like that. I well, think, I think it definitely. I think it's kind of a, a nice soothing lather to get in. To I, get I in think there. it gets you. You know, I've always really loved the uh, the the Descartes. Um, like middle Descartes uh, the, the I think therefore I am yeah. like that whole I really always like the idea of saying just scrap everything we know like almost forget everything you know and question all of it and step back and that's what I think therefore I am was about it was literally saying that's what I know what I know is that I think Therefore, I have to exist. Yeah, yeah. Something has to exist here because I love that, I'm in yeah. my head. But I don't know anything else. I don't know that you exist. I don't know that you exist. I, I, I don't really know any of that. This is all an assumption. Like, I don't know. I don't know that this table. You know, not, this is all. You're dreaming, Dave. And, uh, I, well, look. Wake it's, up. it's all a dream. <laughs> but I do think there's something about smoking weed, doing hallucinogens, that make you take another look at things. It makes yeah. you kind of question the bigger picture. I mean, uh, the, the it, it, it's almost it's an undeniable force that, so that, that kind of cracks you open. Like you take something and then it goes boom. Like if you take enough of it, what I'm saying, if you take a large dose, if you have a profound, you will have a profound experience. It is direct experience, and I think that the connection that I like to make is that you know Terrence McKenna, who is like this psychedelic pioneer guy. God, talks about the primacy of direct experience. Judge Andrew Napolitano, who was a conservative, you know, libertarian uh, judge, talks about the primacy of direct experience, the primacy of the individual over the state authority. Those two worlds just seem so clearly connected to me. Right. You know, the the ability, the living in freedom and having the liberty to. You you know, explore your own consciousness, explore your mind without any authority figure telling you what you can and can't consume. 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree with that. And I think there's something very, you know, uh, because that's, uh, that's kind of what I was getting at, yeah. was I think there's something about with this whole system, with this whole authoritarian system that is government, that's almost what you need is someone to say, whoa, let me take another look at this. And when, I talk, when you talk to someone who's, who's kind of, you know, uh, opened up their mind that way. When I talk to someone, say if I go and talk to Rogan or something like that, it's real easy for me to for him me to like talk about this stuff and for him to get on board with going. Like he's not trying to fight me or hang on to this preconceived religious statism. He's like, yeah, okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, this is just violence. We don't need to be this violent toward each other. We don't we don't need a, a you know organized society around this this violent threat of imprisonment. Um, yeah, but I, like, look uh, to me, yeah. and uh, uh, like this is very influenced by stuff Rogan said. I'm kind of just regurging like his position, but yeah, I really do agree, agree with buddy. it. But I think it is more or less that there are these these tricks of nature that our brain has that that are are basically designed to get you to continue this existence, this life um, that are are kind of genetic, you know, things that are dar. You know Darwinian traits that you know whatever things that make you want to fuck, uh, you know, so you can reproduce and have kids, and that's how the species well, yeah, stays biological alive. Just right, wants basic, and needs, yeah. exactly. And more or less, we're we're sitting here, we're on a rock flying through space. We have no idea what's going on. We have no idea why we're circling around this big ball of fire on this rock flying through space. No clue why we exist. No clue how we got here. None of that. But what we're really focused on is like, oh, I, uh, Brenda's supposed to call me at six. You know, like, we're, it's crazy the amount that we tune out but I heard to Brenda's focus. A slut. She's blowing everybody. <laughs> That's why I can't wait to hear from her at six. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we, tr- we tune out all this amazing shit yeah. that's going on right around us all this crazy trippy stuff to focus on our little like we're literally sitting here and instead of the conversation you know i'm not saying right now but in in general we'll be sitting around and and i'm like man i got this new joke and i think it's working because last night it really worked well what do you think if i do it like this like this is what i'm concerned with i'm concerned with how my set at my comedy show goes tonight well we're on a fucking rock flying through space yeah, yeah. but you're thinking about brenda's big fat tits that she lets everyone see now what happens is you take a big dosage of mushrooms for whatever reason when these chemicals come out and it fucks with your brain it starts fucking with the tricks of nature and then you know you're, you're on mushrooms and someone's like oh what do you think about Brenda's big fat tits and you're like dude we're on a rock flying through space like who cares look at and you start but truthfully if you just look back at it like almost it with a sober eye it kind of makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't focus on this small, insignificant shit, and we would focus on those. But to anyone who's not on mushrooms, you know, to anyone just going about their their life in the real world, you sound like a fucking stoned maniac to just be like, "Hey, dude, we're on a rock flying through space." But we are, we are, and that should be more interesting to people. But I think a lot. I think a lot of people are afraid to admit that they don't know, and I think, yeah. I think a lot of people like find. Comfort in the fact that like they go Okay I know how the world exists I've been told this I believe this I've packaged it all up I've put it in my brain Everything makes sense don't need to worry about That now I can figure about Figure out how I can make more money Look I think you're right but at the same time something uh, Us free free marketeers Understand that a lot of other People wouldn't necessarily understand But the way that um, wealth is created And the way that civilizations advance Is really all about uh, Specialization and the division of labor um, the idea that you know we can't, um, you know, there's no person out there in the world who can do everything that needs to be done to build this microphone. Right, of course, that doesn't exist. Pencil. There's no right. The, the exact same thing. The idea that there's nobody out there who can who can you know put every single tool together. You know, I mean, there's just so much that goes into all this shit. You ever hear you know Murray Rothbard do the thing with a, a pencil, or Milton Friedman did it with a pencil, where they'll be like, okay, you need to mine the ground, you need to drive trucks, you need. There's so much that goes into this, yeah. but we all specialize in a little area, and then if we voluntarily work together, we can have it come together where all this knowledge from hundreds of thousands of different people's labor and different studies and different brains comes together for like a few cents and then I write something down and chuck a pen and I don't even think about it. That, that, so that's, that is the so, unity that I think about but when so I... My, but my point is, yeah. taking that to its next logical conclusion, mm-hmm. it's quite possible that this type of lifestyle, this type of thinking that you're talking about just isn't something that's designed for everybody. Mm. And some, you know, in the same sense that like math is this thing, like I suck at math, mm-hmm. I have no understanding of math and I hate doing 
doing it. I've always hated it. There's some people out there who math is their fucking passion. Ugh. And you know what? I may not love math, <laughs> but I, I love getting on an airplane, and I'm pretty glad someone's done the fucking math right, for this thing. Uh, yeah. So while I'm sitting here and thinking about libertarian philosophy and all that, I'm okay with the fact that that dude's just just doing math and making sure the you know dimensions on my plane make this plane a fucking metal bird in the sky like that's i'm fine with that so it's it's quite possible that a lot of those people just aren't going to want to explore that type of consciousness or that that side of reality but i'm okay with that it's it, that's that's their choice as long as the the problem only comes in when somebody's when, when somebody's clamping down on the volunteerism. I really do, at this point in my life, I look at it almost more like, it's not, it's like corruption in the sense of like, um, you know, if your computer came up with a file that's like 401, 404, you know, corrupt file, or something like that, and you're just like, and, and they don't mean like, when they say, when the computer says like something's corrupt, they don't even mean like morally speaking it's corrupt, they mean something's messed up, like it's not working, yeah. and I almost look at, that's how human beings are. When so, when someone's initiating force against someone else, it's like a corruption in the system. We're supposed to work voluntarily together. So those people don't have to explore psychedelics. That's fine. But as soon as they start using force to not allow the people who do want to explore that, then you've got a problem. Right. And, of course, morally, it is a problem. Yeah, morally, that's a problem. But to them, morally, it's a problem. You know what I mean? To it, the the main argument that a lot of these people make is that not not just that people overdose or die or that you know kids can get their hands on them or whatever, but the fact that do you really want to live in a world where there's just a bunch of druggy hippie free love kind of people existing? It's it's morally to them it's reprehensible to have somebody injecting heroin on the sidewalk next to them or something like that. Now I don't necessarily I'm not advocating that we do that I think it should be dealt with the same way that we have cigarettes and alcohol you know what I mean and obviously a lot of a backlash oh so you want it to be regulated by the state it's like no I don't but if we're gonna start somewhere we might as well start right. start there and then work our way down to total freedom and liberty and sure. private uh, voluntary exchange and free market so the, but like what, what do you think it is about like human nature though that just goes that just looks at someone and just goes oh that, that's disgusting I, I disapprove of that is it, is it you know I mean obviously for, there's religious people who are you know will will use the religion as their reason but even like you know just normal people who maybe will just look at someone and be like oh that person's fat and just gross I am. I'm turned off by that. I want that out of my purview. Yeah. Well, I think we tend to. I don't like that. I don't want it in my community. I don't want it in my neighborhood. Well, I mean, no fat people in your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I like looking down at somebody rather than say like trying to help them out of their situation or empathizing with them. I think that's you know just a. Um, yeah. Isn't that the good Christian thing to do? Yeah, but since when do Christians follow their shit? <laughs> they've they've never been that into following their shit. Um, you know, I I don't know. I think there's human beings tend to project their own self hatred onto others, and I think most mm. of the time when people are just being shitty towards something like, oh, look at this guy, it's like a thing about themselves that they're they're projecting onto others. In terms of not wanting, you know, look, dude, I understand not wanting heroin addicts. Uh, like lying outside your kid's school or something like that. Sure, we all don't. Well, want we already that. have them. It's exactly the point is you, you have to go like, what is this problem and how would you solve this problem? So, right. And the, and the answer can't be that uh, that people don't own their bodies or that we set up an authoritarian state. I mean, that's that's just not a good answer and it doesn't solve the problem. By the way, I mean, any horror story. That's the thing Gary Johnson didn't hammer home is that any horror story you have of drugs is it, just further proof. That this war on drugs is, is a big uh, a big mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at like Mexico, right? With uh, mm -hmm. with all the cartel violence and stuff like that. The war. I mean, you got to think the war on drugs. You know, people are going. We want a solution. We want something to to happen. Governments and and drug cartels don't want anything to change, right? I mean, they probably want things to stay the same. Yeah. They, they probably profit off of it pretty much. I know you made a, a video about the war on drugs. You talked about prison population and just talk can, like expand, expand on the points that you made in that video because I thought it was pretty good. Like you talked about people growing up without fathers and stuff. And sure. Well, I mean, look, it's it's um, I mean, I think the 
the big thing, right, is the amount of um, amount of crime that's created. I mean, that's that's why I harp on that point about prohibition yeah. ha- uh, having the highest murder rate under prohibition because there's a tremendous when you create a black market like this, there's a tremendous you, you amount illegalize of behaviors right. of people and then you make them criminals because mm-hmm. they're going to do it anyway. That's right. Yeah. And drugs are look getting getting uh, getting fucked up is a really foundational part of the human experience. Yeah. I mean, that's every society that has ever existed has had some form of intoxication. They all have. I mean, dude, if we were lost on a desert island somewhere, it'd be like not that long before we eventually found out how to get fucked up. Mm. Like, that's part of the human yeah. life, whether it's drinking or smoking or taking something or finding a plant, rubbing two sticks together, whatever you gotta do. When you say getting fucked up, you mean like just taking a break from this consciousness. Yeah. Altering it, changing the channel whatever just a little you, bit, right? Whatever you just go and let's that. see what else we can do with this experience. So if you take that and say, we're yeah. gonna, you know, we're we're gonna push that into a black market. I mean, it's, it's the implicate. You're just gonna make a lot of people criminals. You're not gonna you're not gonna authoritarian that out of of the human experience. You're not. It's just not gonna happen. And um, right, so you create a tremendous amount of crime. You you empower the worst elements in, in the inner cities, just like you did under prohibition. And it was Italians then, and now it's largely and- in black and brown communities. But it's it's a uh, it's. You know, you empower the worst element in all of those communities. Then, of course, there's the the large number of nonviolent criminals. So essentially, not criminals. Essentially, the state is the criminal in this act, right? I mean, there's yeah. not. It's not as if, uh, if if the NYPD are going around and grabbing people who have a plant and throwing them in a cage. Well, then the criminals are the NYPD. I mean, that's pretty simple to make. So there, so you're throwing people in jail. You're breaking up families. And and yeah, God knows what type of. Uh, what ripple effects there are. You know how many, how much just like horrible suffering there is in in inner cities that are just a result of this government policy that in no way would happen without it. Mm-hmm. It's awful. And um and and then I guess the video that you're talking about. I mean the the major point that I, that I made that I think you you mean you see eye to eye on is um just that the idea of that it's 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 slavery. I mean it's it's the worst institution in American history since slavery with that in the military industrial complex but the idea that you could throw uh, uh, someone the the idea just philosophically speaking that you can throw someone in a cage for putting something in their body is uh, I mean as much a violation of of human freedom and self-ownership as I mean as as could be fathomed yeah yeah and just to break it down to its bare bones element of like making nature illegal yeah you know, it's like what, 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 per, like, what person in their right mind thinks thinks that's okay to do? Right. Um, I always like would use this example. I use this. Uh, I think this is not that it's a great uh, metaphor or analogy, but it's um, to me, it's like the essence of what anarcho-capitalism is. It's like I go, uh, okay, so if you were in, if you let's just say you lived in like in a complete state of nature, no government, no society. But like hunter gatherer group or something like that, and there's a woman who you know like a, a gatherer, and she's walking along the. Brenda. You know, she's taking a river walk. Brenda, Brenda with the big big, tits. big city. Brenda's going for a river walk, <laughs> right? And um, and someone rapes her. Like yeah. a guy comes up and rapes her, and, and I'd say like, is that a crime? And even though there's no government, there's no society, it's like, is that a crime? And I think most people will agree, at least in some moral sense, yes. No matter what, whether anything else exists or not, it's still a crime. Like, like, he still did something violent to her. It's morally wrong. He raped her. And then the next example I give, because usually you can get people to agree with that. And then the next example I give is, is like, okay, so Big Titted Brenda's going for a river walk. I don't usually say that. I just, it's like, what if I had been Consider saying Consider yourselves that lucky, people. Uh, but so she's going for her river walk, and... Um, and she finds some shells, and she makes like a necklace out of the shells and puts it on her neck. And uh, and someone, this man, runs by and rips it off her neck and runs away with it. And I go, is that a crime? And if you say, if you think both are a crime, I think you're an anarcho-capitalist because that at the end of the day, you're just understanding that there's natural rights, there's natural crimes, 
and that private property is a real thing. So that when you mix your your right. labor with nature, it becomes yours. Yeah, in a sense, it's 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 certainly yours more than it is anybody else's, right? Like it, she has more of a claim to that necklace. You know, assuming like the shells weren't something someone else was already using. Or yeah, they had she already found them in the ocean. She found them in yeah. nature. She made it herself. So it's just the idea now. And so of course, like you said, the idea that you couldn't put a plant into your body, which is where you started that. Reminded me of this whole thing. I mean, yeah, that's as much of a natural crime as as I could imagine. So if big-titted Brenda was walking by the beach and she rolled rolled herself a a joint and somebody came by, smacked it out of her hand, kidnapped her and threw her in a cage, who's the criminal there? The joint. (laughs) How weird is that? No, that's right. That's my point. So, yeah, it's all all that stuff is just – this is natural uh, morality. To go back to Descartes, I think, therefore, I am. It's right. like, look, dude, we don't know what this existence is. That's a big that that's very rooted in my libertarian philosophy. Is the idea that we don't know what this existence is, but since you know, since I know I exist because I think, so I know I exist. The next reasonable step is that it's more likely that you guys exist than you don't. Now, I don't know for sure. That's kind of a guess. Yeah. But it's more likely that, I'll, you know, at a certain point, you're kind of like, well, if this is all just chemicals in your head and none of this is real, and then why do anything? Why not? So if you're going to go forward living life, you might as well give people the credit for agency, for having their own thoughts, and, give, and, and the idea that if we don't know what this existence is, but we're all here, it, it just seems like the reasonable moral position is that we should all own our own existence and be able to exist as we'd like to try to figure it out for ourselves and try to figure it out together without violating each other's, you know, self-ownership. Right. Well, what would you, what what about like industrialization and the push of progress, uh, advancement of technology, civilization, you know, this sort of thing that we're doing here, we're all doing together. Everybody's contributing to society. We're, we're, Advancing, we're building new technologies. We're doing things that humans have never done before. Well, what if you just have a bunch of people just getting high? I mean, maybe we can't do that stuff. Sure, probably not. Uh, I, I think that when you have, and of course, we've never probably ever had a society that me or you would agree is the perfect, you know, anarcho-voluntarist society. But when you have free markets, uh, you know, a large degree of free markets, I think you're going to get that industrialization. And then you'll get some other people going off and, and getting high. Right. And I, I don't think you could. No, I don't think you could have that if everybody was was going off and getting high. And then there'll be some, you know, cultures like maybe the one you're about to go check out where it is kind of just everybody uh, off getting high. I think, uh, you know, I, I think they're all important. Well, yeah, I'm going going to uh, the Amazon to, mm-hmm. to experience ayahuasca. Uh, I'm going for like healing purposes, though. The the place that I chose uh, it comes really re- highly recommended. Uh, so the the kind of chain of events that started this off was Joe Rogan, then this chick uh, Amber Lyon, uh, his his pal Aubrey Marcus. Who's Amber Lyon? She used to be a CNN like wartime correspondent. She, really? Like, yeah, she exposed some like dirt that like CNN was, you know, making pushing some stuff under the rug you know there were some bad things that were going on they weren't reporting on actual things they were kind of suppressing things so she was like I can't be a part of this she went on Joe Rogan's podcast he was like you should do ayahuasca she like packed her bags flew to the Amazon really did ayahuasca she said she it changed her life she started doing like she set up a website called reset.me where it's psychedelic journalism and she's basically flown around the world exploring all kinds of different psychedelics different tribes indigenous people native cultures interesting yeah all this kind of stuff so it's great i mean yeah these people are all in one way or another i owe you know joe rogan definitely a lot because without being exposed to him and his podcast i wouldn't know about her uh aubrey marcus who runs a company i'll tell him you said that yeah you tell him for me will you you guys are buddies now, so yeah. But uh, oh, Joey, oh, J- Joey Rogues, Joey Rogues. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. And and other guys like like Rick Doblin, the hat, the head of the multidisciplinary. I always, I talk about him all the time on this on this podcast, uh, multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. Dennis McKenna's brother, uh, Chairman McKenna's brother, Dennis, uh, head of the Hefter Institute. So I'm really curious about the scientific study of psychedelics and how we can use them to enhance our lives. I think that we can, I think there's a really strong case to be made for uh, 
medicinal purposes. Yeah, well, that's another thing that's uh, that's really you know uh, it's probably something I, I should stress because it's it you know it doesn't it's not like the, ever the first or second point, but it's it really is one of the most negative effects of the war on drugs and of, of these prohibitions is that it cuts down on all the science. It's incredibly yeah. difficult for anyone to do any research and get these things, and that's no. How small can we feat. know anything I mean, if we're not that, thinking about? You know, it. as soon as um, you know, Exploring. marijuana got legalized for medicinal purposes in California is when things really started to change, and that now there's like a few states and stuff and now we have all this stuff where it's like oh well turns out we can make this like uh what was the oil that doesn't get you high yeah, even CBD. where they remove yeah. the thc yeah. and they're literally giving this to kids who have cancer yeah and they're like getting oh i mean it, kids it's like seizures it's like okay so yeah. yeah exactly like all this all this time we could have been doing this these people could forget you know like any fucking us getting high or anything like right. that some fucking kid can be like relieved from a tremendous amount of pain i you know i i that it's insane right you hear about these kids who are having like you know like dozens of seizures a day and now they're down to having you know one every few months and you're like holy shit you just changed the quality of life for this kid you know saved a family from having to watch their kids suffer right and you know all there's all this other stuff i mean we soldiers we should be, with PTSD? We should be studying you know all uh, medicinal marijuana dmt all this stuff we should you know we have all these great scientists who want to look into this stuff let them have at it we can be exploring and, and discovering so much about humanity and and it's well it really the problem with scientists is that their science in itself is a sort of religion in a way and what the guy that talks about this is uh rupert sheldrake he's um author of this book called science set free where he's like exploring you know like there's this materialist reductionist kind of quality that science has it's like look this is the scientific method this is how we figure things out so it's hard for these scientists to kind of wrap their heads around these mystical consciousness experiences of sure. consciousness because how do you study it what do you do i mean you have to t i think personally i think you have to take it you have to explore you have to be a psychonaut you know like you have to be an adventurer someone who's willing to take it to study it the effects on themselves someone like a tim ferris uh who's just experiments on himself and and writes about it and things like that so yeah but look it's um the scientific establishment of the scientific community has always fought against you know new ideas and things that challenge the previous norms but science's history has always been them getting overthrown because science the great thing about science is it leads you where science leads Leads you. Right. The problem is, and I mean, if you could just distill my entire philosophy down to three words, uh, it's government corrupts everything. Yeah. And there's, uh, once you get into this world where there's certain substances that are legal, certain substances that are illegal, you're required for government grants and government money to do research, then you start to get into a, a, a system where the scientific establishment can actually control the ones who are outside of the establishment and kind of not let them in. Like, forcefully, we won't let you in. Right. You know, you right. won't get grant money. Your, your studies are illegal. You'll go to jail. You'll, you'll you know, n whatever the... You know, whatever the way of, of keeping them out may be. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, LSD was invented by a scientist, Albert Hoffman, in 1943. And he... You know, after that, there were studies open. The government even conducted their own studies, mm -hmm. the CIA. And all of a sudden, what happened was it seeped into the, to the culture. And now you got a bunch of people taking, in the 60s, a bunch of people taking LSD and all kinds of other mind-expanding drugs. I love the quote from Austin Powers. He's like, as long as people are expanding their minds with mind-altering drugs and having sex in a consequence-free environment, I'll be sound as a pound. Dude, I recently, I recently <laughs> rewatched that movie. And God damn it, the original Austin Amazing, Powers yeah. is really fucking yeah. funny. Man, does it really sound... Dude, that really fucking killed me. That part, <laughs> that's really funny. As long as people in a consequence-free environment. Yeah. Dude, do you see? Do you remember the scene? I'm oh, sorry, I just get off on it. No, tangent, no But do you remember the scene when, um, when Doctor Evil and Seth Green go to family therapy? Yeah, yeah. That's like one of the funniest scenes. I was beaten scenes. with a burlap sack. <laughs> My father would would have claims like he invented yes. the question mark. My father would make outrageous claims like I invented the question mark. Summers by Brussels, you know, yeah. really a normal child. We made, we, in summers in Rangoon, huge lessons. Seth Green goes, I'm pretty sure he's trying to kill me. And the therapist goes, you hear the language he uses? Kill. He's trying to kill me. Feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? And there's like the other father and son are like, 
Yeah, yeah. Yes. And Doctor Evil goes, really he goes, no, he's he's quite astute actually. <laughs> I'm trying to kill. <laughs> yeah, but quite it. unsuccessfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so great. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we're but I, I, I could talk about that. I mean, the great thing about it, like, look, people were having a great time. I'm sure. You know, the, these drugs were everywhere. You know, LSD was flowing like, like the wines of Capistrano. Good. Uh, what is, from Dumb and Dumber. Yes, I know. That's what I said. Where the where the beer flows like wine. <laughs> yeah. I want to go to Aspen. I want to go flock like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> yeah. Guys, for the rest of the podcast, we're just doing great movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, guys, remember yeah. in Kingpin? Oh, I love that movie. I will pay you one million dollars to sleep with your friend here. The uh, so the, the, yeah, but it's just like, like, like what what happened? It got out of control, and you have all you have every, everybody's tripping, everybody's dis- discovering that we're all one, and love's the only thing, and everything's connected, and you know nonviolence is the solution. They're putting flowers in the guns and, and all this stuff. Yet the state, you know, like you said, government corrupts anything. They're like, well, this is not good for business. Right, like it's not. It's if you want to have a state, if you want to have somebody to lead the way, they're going to tell you what to do, and they're going to tell you how to be and how to think. So it's not good for them to to have people who are, can think on their own. Well, that's for sure. You yeah, know, you, things get things get out of control, right? Awareness yeah. is definitely the monkey wrench. Yeah, in their machine. Yeah, yeah. Self awareness, thinking, knowing you are, thinking you are. Yeah. Well, look, I do. I definitely think there's something to that, and I think there's something to like. Look, someone who's done, say, whatever the negative qualities are, but someone who's done a lot of acid in their life, someone who's done a lot of LSD or experimented with these things. Good luck trying to get that guy to go fight in Vietnam. Yeah. You know, good luck. Good luck trying to convince that guy that this authority figure is telling you to go murder another a few human beings, and you're making money off this, and you're or you're working for some guy who's making money off this. It's like ah, that shit's not going to fly with a guy who's doing who's doing hallucinogens. And there's something and even about deeper that. than that. You know, there's guys on the other side thinking the exact same. Like no one wants yes, to be involved in that. That's there right. Definitely, both sides have people that are like, I don't want to fucking be doing this. Well, that's right the now. point, and so they don't want you thinking like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do? Like, what's the future? What do you think? I think just I, eat a bunch I, of mushrooms, hope for the best. It's the I personally only thing you can do. I, I love that. I personally agree with that. But I think I think it's inevitable. I think that like you know is it's going to happen. Like legalization across the board, I think is going to happen. I think we're going to start seeing more centers for like rehabilitation. A lot of these drugs like mushrooms, LSD, you know, they relieve people. Like uh, one of the, the founders, I think Bill Wilson of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, said that LSD was like a cure all. He's like, I took LSD, I didn't want to have a drink ever again. Yeah. So I think a lot of these drugs. A lot have, of people have had that experience with LSD. A lot of people. Yeah, like I quit, quit smoking have, cigarettes. Were addicted to drugs. Yeah. And quit after a big LSD. Uh, after a big LSD bout. So you, you'd think that like uh, an advanced civilization like ours, someone that you know that we we pride ourselves on freedom and, and liberty, we would want to uh, explore every single possibility of every single thing that's in front of us. Test it. Explore it. Right. Yeah, you would think so, but look, we're not we're not really uh, as advanced or as free as we like to think we are. Right. Yeah. And that's evidence of it. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. I think we're going to wrap there, and then. Right, buddy, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, Dave Smith. Part of the problem. Plug some pl- plug some stuff. I, will, I, I, I We probably have a lot of the same listeners. Maybe there's you know, like there might be three a, people here that haven't heard of me. I'm part of the problem. Might be a little bit of crossover, but yeah, yeah look, dude. Uh, uh, right. Obviously, check out part of the problem. You can follow me at Comic David Smith. I'm very proud of you, buddy. I think this is a really great podcast. I like yeah, the fact that you're thanks. writing now. You're doing the podcast. You're really getting out there. Yeah. You're, you're a real voice in the uh, liberty movement. I, I hope to be one. Uh, I hope to. I hope to have some kind of uh, effect on uh, on the greater good. Yeah. You know? Well, that's good, man. I mean, all this shit, it's, it's crazy how all this stuff works. It's, it's a crazy world, uh, this whole, you know, where we can just put something like this out. And, uh, and I know so many people like we were talking about who, who do podcasts and, you know, Rogan and Tom Woods and Lou Rockwell and all these guys who, who had, you know, such a huge impact on me. For, uh, so it's it's such a cool thing to be able to do that and then and then say like oh okay well now maybe I can talk to some other people about the way I see these ideas and so yeah. anyway I'm proud of you I think you're doing great thank thanks, you very thanks much for having me on and I just want to also just say about that Tom Woods was such a huge influence because he I remember him saying in a speech he was like he's like if you if you just get out there and start a YouTube channel start a podcast start writing it's easier than ever the barriers to entry are non-existent then Tom Woods listened to this podcast he was like all right maybe not everybody maybe not everybody. <laughs> He should. Oh, Jesus. But anyway, he's like, "What sh- did I do here?" Yeah, no, he's great. Tom Woods. I'll, I'll keep endorsing him for the rest of my time uh, on this earth. He's the best. Uh, 
Tom Woods and psychedelics. Who who knew, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got to do an episode where we're we're tripping a little bit. I think that'll be really fun. And I'm gonna be away. I'm gonna be in the Amazon jungle. I'm gonna be ex- experiencing ayahuasca. I'm gonna be journeying into into the center, into the heart of darkness. That is the strongest psychedelic known to man on the planet. But I can't wait to do that, and I'm gonna. I can't wait to talk about it. I I have no idea what to expect. They say it's different for everyone, but the the general vibe is that it's very positive. That it opens you up that it, it it's there's a lot of healing potential a lot of healing property and uh i can't wait to experience it and talk about it so thanks for tuning in uh peace see you guys next time